uh, coming into attention, attentiveness, and uh, maybe just guessing, but I'm sensing that uh, um, you've certainly always had the ability to be attentive, but it seems now there's perhaps less uh, distractedness, less obstructions, you know, not having to kind of forth as something that's opening more easily to be attentive without a specific aim in mind other than just the attentive. And if this is happening for you, this is great. This is the kind of quality that I would encourage is that awakened intelligence. And just to put the direction on hold for a moment. Directions are always easy to find. Put them on hold and build up the power of attention, being attentive. That in itself. So we take these qualities step at a time. This is the process that the Buddha recommended called graduated or step by step. Say first thing is you're paying attention, the ability to pay attention without having a particular thing. That comes next, called mindfulness. So when we uh, pay attention, this itself is a kind of an effort or requires a balancing of energy, doesn't it? Now I've noticed uh, many times over the <coughs> teaching in the West particularly, people do not like this idea of striving. They see it as really a kind of a curse and, uh, and something to get away from. And, you know, when one comes into the reading the suttas, this word comes up. Strive. Strive onwards, strive forward, strive with diligence. At least that's the translation. <coughs> Therefore, we're at a kind of a impasse there. We just water down what the Buddha is saying, or do we kind of have a hernia? <laughs> I do say that something has to be built up here. <laughs> you know, a certain resource of energy has to be uh, uh, fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. as, as I've been suggesting and recognise there's a difference between the quality of virya, which is energy, and the quality called vayamo, which is application, effort. Yeah. What do you want to do with that word? But they're two different words. There are several words um, that are associated with this. Pahana. Pahana is another one. The four right pahanas. Uh, these are certainly, you might say, steered energy. And this first kind of steerage is towards avoiding, moving away from that which is destructive, unwholesome, blameworthy, detrimental, destructive. Move away from it. Uh, and keep checking that. Don't follow that. And then the second, this is, so these are two kinds, like, or, moderate, or division of the two kinds of that which turns away. And this is the first application. The first application is to, you know, turn away from. I mean, and the second is to pick up, pick it up, pick it up and sustain it. Sustain it, pick it up and sustain it. Mm. And so there's a steerage there. 
And uh, that that is the point, really, to be able to have a steerage. And the first kind of steerage is just to turn away. So this is why, again, in a sense of sila, we turn away from this, we turn away from that. We may feel inclinations that way, we turn away from it. Yeah. Um, renunciation, we feel inclinations this way, that way we turn away. We're turning away, steerage. And it's no, we're not making some kind of big judgmental statement about it, it's just this is not suitable or appropriate or necessary or relevant to what we're doing right now, you know. So, okay, they develop that sense of steerage, which is, you know, you can, you can move it. You may not even sense really this, this is effort, because one does so much associate effort with a forward direction. This forward direction is so built in to our understanding about progress, development, it's always forward. We live in a very much that spatial and temporal domain. Forward is the way to go onwards, you know, in that direction and more. Well, yeah, that's one direction. Is that the right one? And for people who've been more as conditioned into that way of thinking, that attitude, so it's no longer even a thought, it's it's an automatic reflex, maybe this is something to just put on hold. Check. There is an effort to be made. Is that the effort? Is that helpful? Is that suitable? Is that appropriate? Hmm? Maybe it is, but for right now, let's just check, pause. Until we begin to, so gathering our energy before we make the effort. So clearly there's no point pumping on the gas pedal if there's no fuel in the tank. So that's a first kind of effort just to withdraw, drop, release, relax, loosen up. You know, whatever it takes to get out of the driven state or the residues of the driven state, both the attitudes and the fatigue. Most people come to retreat, they're pretty shot actually. <laughs> and that's not a personal judgment, it's just it's a lifestyle thing. Isn't it? So, then you can just, then, right then, that's not appropriate to be driving anywhere. You park the car and, and freshen up. Mm-hmm. The, the, the first uh, discourse of the Sangyutta Nikaya is just a little verse, rather enigmatic verse, where Devata asked the Buddha, how did you cross the flood? How did you cross the flood? Meaning, I guess, the floods of ignorance, the floods of becoming, the floods of sensuality, these are the floods. He's talked about these currents that sweep in. And he said, so the Buddha says, by not halting, by not straining, I cross the flood. Very, very short. There's only about three or four lines. By not halting, by not straining. This is how I cross the flood. And it's a sense of not just kind of sinking down, because the sense of the halting is to put your to, to kind of put your foot on the existing territory, you know, or to linger in it, but not pushing forward. So 
what I suggested and will continue to suggest, and maybe the word becomes more useful as time goes by, we finding we need to change our orientation so we're not standing on the wrong kind of footing. Footing on personality views, footing on you know, social, um, con- cultural conventions, which I feel are severely, you know, not aligned to awakening. So don't stand, take a stand on those. And the attitudes, the views, mm, that, that go into that. Mm, mm, the consumer view, the for example, more, 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 faster, 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 hurry up, get it done, don't take a stand on those, you've got to put your foot on another ground. And so this is why I brought up the reference to finding another ground, and just in a way by clearly disengaging from the wrong kind of foothold, it's rather like taking your foot off the you know, a rock in the stream and putting your foot into water. Where's the ground in this? Just keep going, keep going. Keep putting your foot down, keep going, keep going. A little bit longer, and it hold your balance and it, can you feel it? There it is. And you shift. Oh, yeah, now I can stand in the flood. So, that's the, you know, metaphor to flesh it out a bit. Um, very simply, you know, on an energetic level, um, you know, many people are so used to the quality of head striving. When we concentrate, we tighten our heads. When we make a determined effort, we tight, tighten up in our heads. And that, and it's like you pull yourself into action. The energy's all up here. And so with exercises, some of the standing exercises we've been cultivating, the recommendation is really to get down, 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 always down. If you want to send your energy anywhere, you can always trust going down. You have to to pull it up, you get right down into the ground, get your energy coming down your legs, taking a firm stand, it's going to rise. That's the nature of it. Touch ground, really stay there. Energy's going to start rising, feet rather being pulled up. So how many times have I encouraged, reminded us all, including myself, don't pull yourself up. Just let yourself rise with that rising tide as you inhale. Breathing and being lifted by something almost involuntary, as you feel strong, as you feel bright, as you feel open, as you feel inspired, literally, something rises. So, is that an effort? Well, maybe, but it's a result of an effort. It's saying the effort was to, to hold your ground, to find true ground, something that gives you real steadiness, support, uh, there uh, is impersonal. It's not based upon what kind of a person you are. It's just it's there. You can 
then stay on that and let the energy rise so this I would suggest my offering make of it what you like is one way in which we just begin to address our energy resources there's something kind of paradoxical we may think generating energy pumping iron doing heavy stuff, running around, get more but that's not what I'm suggesting standing and an opening and the effort what it takes sometimes micro efforts just to open a little find out where you're know, tense or tight or compulsive and can you get there and can you possibly just relax a little bit there so that's a kind of an effort okay, it's a steerage effort steering towards restricted places and applying a quality of you know, peaceful loving acceptance you might say you know, something that's conducive so that's, that's a kind of an effort you may not think of it as an effort but how you, how you use that word so then as we come into some of that and our faith or our sense of aspiration which is to be regularly you know, re- regenerated what's meaningful? what do I take a stand on? where's my footing? Uh, what do I really feel you know if I die tonight what has been valuable what would I like to feel yes I stood on that I found that so we rehearse that we remember that we praise that and we invoke that that's your that's your faith your faith is in that and you stay with that until it proves wrong you know because what else can you do it's all in guesswork really you get something that seems that feels right you just work with it and then see the blemishes if there are any where you've slightly you know not quite got it right okay that's how you learn and so you get that thing you feel more and more from a tentative act of faith to a more committed sense of yeah I'm going to work with this the real feeling of this I feel confident in so faith increases moves that way and your energy comes along with that increasing sense of, of confidence that itself gathers energy Right. If you have a meaning that gives you an orientation for your heart, then energy comes towards that and, and gathers. You linger in it, it begins, it increases. So just to stay with, you see. So this is where, you know, energy uh, is dependent upon faith. Something will bring you energy. As it brings you energy, you notice that. This is the function of careful attention. So your attention, which has been just open and interested, and uh-huh, and then maybe a sense of where is my ground, where is my faith, where is my aspiration. That's your first check. Okay, where is that now? And then careful attention, and where in my heart, where in my body, how, how do I sit or stand, bearing that in mind. Yeah, so trying to embody it, we 
come, we are able to embody it, it gains another dimension. Because then your heart energy is connected to your body energy and your breathing energy, and they're able to amplify and enrich each other. <coughs> you get something, the energy becomes like, uh, first of all, a sort of sense of inspiration, tapas, a kind of atapi, a keenness, uh, that's energy then ready to do some stuff, you know, and then it becomes strength. Now you now you're getting ready, you see. Everything is gathering, and then you then now your energy is filling up. So then our subsequent cultivation is sati mindfulness. So now where do you want to place that quality of attention? What theme? what area, what topic you want to place careful attention on. In a way it's the same sort of quality, it's attentive, it's careful, but where's careful attention sweeps around, checking things out, mindfulness stays in one place. Same sort of quality, but mindfulness is the ability to stay on topic with that. So it's got a holding quality to it, framing up. So then, you know, can we do that? Are we ready for that? You know, sometimes it's certainly the case that you go to a mindfulness training, you know, you've got it all sorted out in three weeks, six weeks. Well, Well, yeah, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't think you know the faith aspect or the renunciation aspect has really come into it yet it may come along later or even the, the sealer aspect of it so it's what you know to be bring your mind with us on to and with this cult, graduated cultivation you're going to bring your mindfulness on to on to what? body heart where, where do they uh, how do they come together? So if we consider the, what are called the four establishments, <coughs> so clearly mindfulness, the ability to bear something in mind could be you know, a number of things. You could mindfully you know, put, your t- put that quality onto a work project, uh, onto football, onto mindfulness for the military, and so on. It's really the important thing is what we put that on to is pertinent to clearing obstacles pertinent to clearing obstructions pertinent to clearing hindrances pertinent to the fruition of dharma potencies enlightenment factors and so forth so 
with this in mind. So the Buddha says, well, the four foundations for that, four places, body, feeling, citta, and tamas. So, internally and externally is the refrain that is used, or in translation of of this word, ajata bahida. And so this is, um, again, the language. So, but when one looks into the, the sutta, uh, Buddhist says, you know, sitting, resolute, ardent, sitting at the root of a tree and so on. One brings one's attention onto the body, uh, reviewing it thus, this body subject to decline, you know, imagine it seeing a corpse, seeing scattered bones on a, on a charnel ground, and also breathing in, breathing out. This is the way one cultivates mindfulness internally and cultivates it, or externally. So it seems that in this case we are contemplating the subjective experience of embodiment. Something's happening, I'm in something. It's subjectively sensed and felt. It's a moving dynamic thing. Feeling. And then we contemplate it externally. It means we review it as if we're looking from another face, not in the subjective experience of the body, but the body as seen objectively. Does that make sense to you? You're not looking at somebody else's body. It means you you regard your own body in this way. This is hair, this is teeth, this is skin. Uh, And so you're kind of reviewing the body as if it's an object that you're separate from when you're looking at. With breathing, you're contemplating as something's happening to you that's dynamic and flowing and involved. Similarly, cultivate feeling, pleasure, pain, internally. Feeling the, the pushing, the pressures, the uh, pulls of, of feeling as a subjective experience. I'm being, you know, attracted, repelled, pressed down, driven forward. You know. One contemplates it internally, one contemplates it externally. Feeling is like this. Hmm. It does this kind of thing. It's happening in my body, it's happening in my heart, it's happening... So we look at it objectively. Objectively means you can kind of name it and uh, kind of witness it. Subjectively means you, you're feeling it, you're, you're internalizing it. It's subjective. Is subjective, objective qualities or ways of reviewing experience. And the Buddha says you, you get them both, you know. And it becomes uh, particularly significant, I suggest, with citta, when the Buddha says, how does one establish mindfulness with regard to citta? This is the citta affected by greed. This is the citta affected by hatred. This is the citta affected by aversion. This is the citta affected by love. This is the citta affected by compassion. This is the citta luminous. This is the citta expensive. This is citta radiant. One contemplates it internally and externally. It doesn't seem to mention anybody else being there, so 
somehow this is happening to the individual. So it's not really my chitta and your chitta, but this chitta's first of all experienced has this sense of, you know, heating up when we feel annoyed, searing, heating up, or expansive and luminous when it feels like that. We feel very much, oh yeah, I'm, I'm this. Yeah. Uh, this can be very powerful experiences, can't they? That's the subjective. They, they, these are effects. This is not chitta so much as how chitta is being affected. So there's a distinction there. What is being affected? Mm. It's me. Okay. Chitta is where the me lives. It's another way of defining it. What's the subjectivity of me? I. I am being. I am feeling. I. This the the very centre of that experience. So when I am in anger or confusion, I'm not able necessarily to say, oh, this is some anger, this is confusion, like this. It's like this. What's happening is more... <laughs> non-verbal flurries and flushes. That's the subjective sense of it. Uh, yeah. But then if, if there's objectivity, it's, oh, yeah, you know, Fingers are tightening up, breath is getting short, um, feeling very warm. Okay, that tells me this is called anger. And it, it's, it's so obvious in some ways, but of course we don't. All, people don't always recognise it. You know, that they're being uh, irritable, just, uh, or they're being. Um, they're not really objectively aware of their mind states. Being lazy, being uh, uh, demanding, being selfish, particularly, is something we're not very clear about. no, we don't really necessarily take others into account or situation into account. So we don't recognize this chitta affected by this quality. Selfishness. Mine, me, mine, this is my right. I'm entitled to it. This is mine. My truth, my values, my system. You know, this kind of mine. And nobody else is on the same level as me in terms of importance. And this isn't necessarily something we verbalize, but we can find ourselves, unfortunately, acting in these ways without really a sense of, well, what about her, or him, or I wonder what he's feeling. Is it, you know, is this it, how is she? I feel like this, so put it out there. That kind of thing. 
And so one of our learnings in this is when we come into a group retreat objectively, you know, regarding a certain objectivity to it. Look, it's 44 of us here, it's not going to go your way, is it? <laughs> if it was your way, you couldn't get 40 people in it. There'd only be one person in it, called me. <laughs> yeah. But subjectively, I feel, well, I deserve, it's my right, I mean, I should get what, surely, couldn't I adjust it so it suits me better? <laughs> because, you know, I want to have a good time, I mean, yeah, I, 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 this is my special retreat, I want to make sure it works for me. <laughs> Sounds quite reasonable to me. But then imagine 44 people only with that. You'd have 44 separate retreats, wouldn't you? And fine, if you want to do that, have 44 separate retreat faculties with everybody orienting around your particular take on things. Because <laughs> it's my right. I'm entitled to it. I deserve it. It's important for me to feel I'm getting what I need. Uh, <laughs> that's a subjective thing so, you, know, you can quite easily pick that up <laughs> and feel quite annoyed if I'm not getting what I need, deserve is right for me you know, the kind of attitudes you know, I'm feeling disempowered because I'm not getting what I need and deserve therefore I'm feeling discriminated against or lessened or something you know, when we come to this widening perspective, global situations, you know, you see some of the nationalism, you know, tribalism, even, you know, all these particularities that human beings find themselves in, in you know, where my tribe is the best, the most important, the really one we should care for most. Other people just got to make do, you know, to orient around my way, which is the best, the right, the supreme, the better, the superior, more advanced, and everybody else just has to follow that, because we are the best, I am the best. You know, this kind of thing. But what they realise is, because the whole, particularly with nationalism, the, the whole media thing stirs it up. Well, who has to be the best anyway? What does that mean? What do these words mean? Uh, what, what does it do when we hold those words in our mind? Subjectively, it feels pretty good. <laughs> in some respect, you know, I'm the best. I'm on top. I'm great. Well, you look at people who, who, who follow that. Yeah. I don't seem to name names, surely, but... <laughs> you know, I can say one thing one day, the opposite the next day, and they're both true. Because I'm always right. <laughs> That's the, that the only law, I'm always right. Because I'm the best. Jeez. And no, no, no real... This is the kind of horror of what human minds can do. And all objective, all objective 
measurements are discarded as false, erroneous, biased, you know, people who don't understand. So this is behind subjectivity. We don't, when the chitta is inflated and convinced of its meanness as as the most, as the center of the, of our universe. Okay, so I would suggest that time to time we will probably all experience something of that nature and suffer from that and hopefully learn from that and we can have to let go a bit be more respectful, open up, be more cooperative and actually this is first of all slightly any reorientation is always some discomfort in it but then Oh, that feels actually more helpful, I feel lighter and cleaner and less puffed up, less intense about me, and more flexible. Ah, energy can move. The objective reference taken alone, you know, is just, well, that's that, that's your problem, you know, it's like that. We seal off the possibility of properly feeling. So this is when the, the judgmental attitudes come in. Judgment or conceit, right? positive judgment or negative judgment. Yeah. So I'm wrong, I've got it wrong, I've made it, you know, I'm stupid, I've made a mistake, definitely made a mistake, definitely getting it wrong. I am therefore, we look at it externally and it's a judgment. That's it, you've been sentenced ten years lifetime servitude proved wrong so when when there is these dissonances the mind can do one of those when it goes to the objective reference then there's a sense in which the dissonance becomes almost like as if it's coming externally so this is where we get the feeling, it's called the inner tyrant, or the critic. There's always seemingly outside us in a way, looking at us. Outside our heart, looking at it, and condemning it. It's dissonant, it's not comfortable, and there's judgment. So, all we know is, you're not, you're not feeling happy, there's something wrong with you. And then it gets a list, in fact, a list. So this is ex- looking at it externally, ob- objectively. Mm-hmm. Now this has to be purified also. So the mindfulness is, well this was, you know, uh, greedy or covetous or you know, inappropriate or misjudged. Hmm, definitely that's true. How does that feel? What happens with that? What happens with that? Well, how did that happen? How did that come around? Then we feeling it out. Okay, this is a learning process. Feeling out. Ah, there was where the current took. There's where the current swept the chitta away. Go back to the source. Me. Not me as a final entity, but a certain overemphasis on 
personal perspective perhaps which we're all prone to okay notice that and now can you recognize that widen reorient to how is this so we're starting to take our orientation not upon me or what I think of me or what I imagine other people think of me or what I think that me should be so that me will be okay but what qualities are present? qualities qualities this is the quality of heedfulness this is the quality of heedlessness when we get casual, sloppy, careless, not paying attention that quality leads to these kind of results when we swept away with uh, sense desire this quality comes in this is the results note, took you there now pause getting a bit greedy, obsessive how does that feel? Hmm. what happened there? so we trace qualities so this mindfulness of chitta is a very uh, turning point hinging thing and notice also when there are beautiful qualities and you say, oh, this is great this quality of virtue has arisen here not I am such a great virtuous person but this quality of virtue has arisen beautiful, what sustains that? what supports that? Where, what's the fruition of that? what's the lingering in that? so that may then be encouraged as a quality now if it's taken I am a virtuous person then it easily crystallizes into I am always right or we don't really dwell in the the quality of it it becomes I'm always right so good that's that's known that's that's the that's the basis so whatever I do is now right because I am right no I'm not right that the quality of virtue does arise and sometimes it wanes or it flutters or it fluctuates (laughs) other things take over one loses footing okay then recognize that gain, regain foothold and there's faith and the faith wavers what causes it to waver come back and regenerate it this careful measuring because we're staying on topic of chitta and beginning to recognize how this formation of me within it you know takes us off the topic which is to contemplate what's affecting chitta as a, as a dynamic affective experience and that's more useful because it doesn't get stuck into either you know, I am not this, I am inadequate I'm da 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 or I am great, I am fine, I am wonderful or anything in between the two doesn't get stuck. We're aware of the tides and the skillful ones and the unskillful ones. And we're lost in the flood of me. Mm. Now so so even things like luminosity, 
where one has to be acknowledge that you know, people can have meditative experiences where these luminosities and subtle effects become powerful and strong and they, they kind of lose mooring. Not everyone does, but this can happen. People can get imbalanced. You go, oh, you know, I am the Maitreya or something. <laughs> Occasionally this happens. <laughs> you know, I, am, I must be a stream enter or an anagami or I must be mm, non-returner at least, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So it's, 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 um, striking that when, uh, Sariputta, who seems, you know, everybody regards as Arahant, is described, he says, well, when he enters jhana, the thought I have entered jhana does not enter my mind. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, that thought does not occur. It's purified. There is the jhana factor arises. Received, dwelt in, lingered in. Uh, you know, make use of, so on. Mm-hmm. So you know the the the, uh, the language of use is this strange impersonal quality. You know the Tathagata sees this, it's not I. Uh, and uh, these qualities arise. It seems rather dry at first, but it's actually being specific and on the mark. So the, the, in Arahant there's no idea of being an Arahant. He just notices there's no obstructions. That's not present. So, you know, and then through reviewing this jitta process we may begin to, through the quality of Sampajanya, which is clear, attention, clear, of course the English language is isn't always able to track the meanings of these, but sampajanya, thoroughly, sampa, completely, or janya, knowing, thoroughly, completely knowing, or thoroughly, completely aware. So there's a sense in which awareness is really penetrating the specific quality of the factors that are arising, both in their specific quality and in their dynamic. This is, arises and it passes. This is the condition that causes this to arise. This is the condition that causes this to, to be sustained. This is the condition that causes this to cease, positive or negative. And this is the fourth Satipatthana. So there, if you like, they're like Russian dolls and one sits inside the other. And so that the you know, within, as we're contemplating jitta, it's not like, I've done that, now go to dhammas. The very contemplation of jitta is introducing us to a territory where over a period of time we may discern and be more clear about what is causing these effects. What are the factors that cause these positive or negative effects? And then you're getting down some very fine detail. And as I have suggested, the body is there with that. Or I can use the body in that. If you develop uh, sensitivity to the body, you can begin to at least track some of the uh, effects of jitta. 
uh, mentioned, you know, obviously qualities such as anger or depression, fairly easy to detect the effects in the body. And if you're cultivating such a mindfulness of breathing, you can detect qualities such as doubt, wavery, fluttery, uh, recklessness, a sort of driven sense, uh, you know, sluggishness. Uh, yeah, and you can begin to, you know, encourage your breathing process to purify and clarify. So these effects, these currents are negated. This is called the liberation of chitta through this process. And it's one aspect of awakening. You may think that liberation of chitta is all there is, but it's just the use of the term. This means that currently one is not experiencing those states. Currently one's state of being is not experiencing those states. But there's a further deliverance, which is called panya, which means with wisdom, having seen the erroneous basis in which those states arise, those are eliminated. Therefore, these will not arise in the future, because the roots have been taken out. And, and so, just to recognize and acknowledge, one can enter experiences in samadhi, which is the process of citta vimutti, uh, liberating citta, whereby there is no, there is not the presence of irritating thought, or grudges, or grievances, or reflexes. They're, they're absent. You know, oh, this is it. I'm there. I'm there. As soon as you get one of those I'm there sounds, you know, uh-oh, something wrong. <laughs> about to suffer, about to, you know, about to be humiliated. <laughs> we come out of samadhi, and we walk down the corridor, and we realize, why did that person have to get in my way coming out of that hall? Uh, what's that horrible smell coming through the corridor when I'm in a sensitive state? And, you know, but in that, but also in that, one well, of course, empowered, so these, these, these attitudes seem quite true. You know, I am the center of the world. There should be no horrible smells in my, in my experience when I'm in this state, when I'm sitting in the world. Sorry. You know? <laughs> but so, Panya, we is actually, was look at some of the experiences of horrible smells and just, what's the what's the horror in that where's the aversion so this is the you know, so this is the deliverance through insight you know, generally the theme the common understanding is that samadhi helps to just clear away all the detritus and set the energies in a good steady state, feel comfortable, feel some confidence, be able to sustain mindfulness. So it's, it's grounded, it's earthed. And then within that, or rising from the absorption into that, one can begin using that sense of deep stability 
one begins to open the boundaries and notice there's the effect, impact, impingement of a thought of uh, some kind of memory or something like that. Just get there and you have now one has the power, the strength and the confidence to see the crinkling of aversion and the, uh, or the wavering. And right at that point, beginning to soften the impact, uh, grounding. On a more mundane level, you say this uh, need to establish ground, to orient towards grounding or orientation in true ground rather than on slippery rocks. Going back to that metaphor, this is, you know, the quality of what we mean by right effort. Is effort that's both fit for your resources. It fits. It's not right in righteousness. It means it's it's the right for me now. It's the one that fits right now. That kind of effort, and then towards in the right direction. And the right direction may very well not be forward. It may in fact be to stand still in the current, to not be recklessly swept, that may be the right effort, just the effort it takes to stand still, and deeply stand still, and not move on, that is the right effort. One, or it could be the relevant effort for you at any time. And when we get into experiences where we get swept into either believing in things, or being totally addled and impotent, can't manage anything, or yes, I've got it all sorted out. And if you get into those kind of currents, now's the time, touch the ground, pause. Don't move on on those currents. Feel the sense of steadying. Then, okay, attention. So you're mindful of that and getting yourself steady in that so where you move, where you incline comes from that steady centre and there is an inclination it's not just about holding that centre but that centre as it's held it will begin to, by its own nature tendency is for it to spread it begins to sense around, there's something around here that needs to be clarified or purified or moved into. So a sense in which we, something in our mind begins to open as we feel more grounded and checking out where is the fruition, where is the difficult pieces now, what needs to be cleared now? Is anything here? If there's nothing here, then it's time to experience the gladness and rejoice in that. There's something here, now's the time to check it out and work with it. So in this way, our effort is moderated between the effort to stand still, to be stable, or you see, even the effort to find a standing place. The effort to to withstand the push and pull of hindrances, the me-senses, to withstand those. 
by feeling one's ground. The effort to enjoy, to open, to, to receive, and to be gladdened by beauty, truth, groundedness, safety. Take it in, take it in, feed yourself, feed yourself. The effort to incline what's around, what's happening, where am I? Is there anything here that's getting in the way of my fulfillment, of the fulfillment of chitta, of the liberation of chitta, of the liberation of being? Is anything pressing in on that, nagging at it? Well, you've got your, if the ground is there, fruitions are occurring, this may be the time when you turn to those places and you move from the centre not losing your centre you breathe into it is my expression or you incline your heart into it that's another expression or you generate the goodwill towards that whatever your vehicle is um, in after my particular um, domain if you like or my style tends to do this in a bod- bodily way also moving through areas in the body, uh, sensitive areas, triggering areas. Uh, that's the way I, I kind of operate like that. But that's my style. It's not everybody's style. Uh, so you know, you. But that, to me, is is a, is a faultless direction to establish your refuge, your ground, your truth, your meaning, to really fill it feel it, get your energy established in it, draw from it, check things out, enjoy what's beautiful and good, that's going to feed you up, and then check out. Anything getting in the way, yeah. and if you say, well, just one at a time, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take you all on, one at a time. The first one could be my fearfulness of touching difficult material. Okay, fair enough. Take it slowly. My impatience to get out of this mess, take it slowly. Impatience is not a virtue. It's a hindrance. Be confident. Just touch what's difficult. Find your ground with that. Find your ground with that. Speak the truth from your ground. However that is, feel your breath from the ground, however it is. Extend your heart from your centre, however that is for you. And whatever level of consciousness that experience can be manifested in, from daily life level to samadhi level, I can't see it can do you any harm, I can only feel it can do you some good. So...